So I've been watching Halloween movies because it's the Halloween season. And I don't mean like, I mean, I have been watching like random scary movies. Well, quote unquote scary, but I've been also been watching like the Halloween movies, mm-hmm. you know, because I'd only seen like maybe a couple of them. And man, the only good one is the first one. I got to say, there's there's nothing quite like the culture of Halloween movies, I would say, in cinema. We don't get the same, like, I don't get the same vibe from, like, Christmas or, like, Thanksgiving or, like, any other time of the year movies. I mean, Christmas is a big time, but for some reason, there's something about, like, Hollywood, Halloween culture that is so... Well, it's just because horror, like, horror movies are way more fun than Christmas movies, right? right? Because, like, what are Christmas movies? They're, like, some bullshit starring Tim Allen or whatever. (laughs) <laughs> you know there hasn't there's not as many christmas movies starring tim allen in fucking 15 years <laughs> well there should be <clears throat> bring just it back old washed out tim allen just like yeah. yeah he can it can be in the cinematic universe of the wilson movie that we pitched you know? <laughs> it's just tim allen is like an old alcoholic <laughs> on christmas <laughs> oh jesus christ oh man um well. yeah halloween movies are sweet man but you dude, the michael any? myers the mike michael myers ones Okay. I mean, the only, the first one is the only one. Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis, Donald Pleasance. I like that one. It's I haven't cool. seen yeah. any of the Halloween movies in over a decade. They just never, out of all the horror, like, greats, you know, Freddy, Jason, Michael Myers, like, I don't know. The, actually, my favorite Halloween movie, and I'm not going to lie to you right now, is the Rob Zombie Halloween movie. Really? Because oh, okay. I don't care about the series. I have no attachment to the character. I don't give a fuck. I just love like Rob Zombie's filmmaking style. It's not good. Uh. <clears throat> it's not good, but I just love his like stupid, like grimy, dirty splatter fest. Everyone's right. Style. Did you like Lords of Salem? I didn't see that. Oh, uh, you should see that one. That one's ridiculous. I've seen. Uh, is the Hills Have Eyes a Rob Zombie film? Uh, I don't unless, not unless he remade it. I think it was like it has some characters from his films, like those actors he uses a lot, like his yeah, wife. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a big fan of digging up like Z-grade actors and shoving them in movies. Yeah, I don't know. I just think the the Rob Zombie Halloween one was like the funnest one. I don't know mm-hmm. because it just like I I give no shits about that series, so I have no connection to it. So it's like, oh, this one was interesting. It's a little more violent. Yeah, the first one was interesting cuz it was like a slasher movie that wasn't a slasher movie in 1978 that garnered a lot of attention. It was like shoestring budget. Um, they just, yeah, they made that movie out of fucking chewing gum. Are you talking about the Wes Craven one? Uh, no, John Carpenter. Oh. Halloween. Oh, Halloween. Sorry. I thought yeah, we were Halloween. still on the Hills Have Eyes. No, no. Um, but yeah, anyway, today we watched Dune. How's that, how's that for a segue? Hilariously hey. on we have, track we have for Real Weirdos. somewhat limited time today, so Dude, we'll just get into it. I already um, have my costume yeah. for Halloween figured out now. I'm going to be the Baron. The Baron Harkonnen? So you're just going to wear like yeah. a long fucking... Do you have a fat suit? I'm just going to walk around naked. He doesn't need a fat suit. Yeah. I got my winter coat <laughs> going. 
<laughs> oh my god! I guess I haven't seen you in a while, so maybe you put on. I'll some be extra levitating pounds. like a hundred feet in the air, so it won't really matter. Oh, okay, yeah, that'd be yeah. impressive. You have to teach me that trick. <laughs> um, so yeah, this movie doesn't really need much of an introduction. It's kind of like the biggest thing in the world right now. Mm-hmm. For good um, so let's get right into it, man. I mean, I'll ask. Uh, I'm going to ask Jeff first because oh, yeah. Jeff is the big Dune guy. What did you think? Of Denis Villeneuve's Dune. I genuinely, genuinely, genuinely enjoyed this movie. I really, really liked it. I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was visually so impressive. The CGI was in the special effects are incredibly well done. And actually, a couple miniatures I also noticed in a, in a particular scenes where I thought, oh, that's cute that they actually used miniatures. I was wondering that. I didn't look it up or anything, yeah. but I was like, is that a miniature? Yeah, I mean, it's very, I mean, it, it, the fact that you know exactly what scene I'm talking about without us talking about it is, I think, indicative of the fact that it's probably a miniature. Because I like, wait, I saw, is right, it right. the rover? Is it the rover thing? Yeah, yeah. It's the big, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And so, you know, yeah, but I genuinely enjoyed it. I thought it was really well done. I thought Denny Villeneuve really took a lot of great um, callbacks from the original movie, like the, um, when it's explaining Dune and the sandworms, I believe those are the original sound bites, or at least they're like like meant to be very similar to when uh, wh- whoever's the main character of Dune, the '84 version, he's like learning about Paul Atreides. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, no, I know Paul Atreides. I forgot the actor's name. Kyle MacLachlan. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like when he's like looking about Arrakis, like Arrakis, the desert planet, and all that kind of stuff. I believe those were either the same sound bites or just really close recreations. But there yeah, were I, some really close echoes going on. Yeah, but yeah. I loved it. Dune, this Dune 2021 is basically what the 1984 Dune could have been if like the narrative was like actually a streamlined plot and was like a normal progressive plot that normal audiences are used to like watching. I think this movie mm. does like a really good job of it's its own thing. But it doesn't stray too far from the original movie because obviously it's all coming from the same source material, but it makes it in a way that is much more consumable for an audience. Like you actually know what is going on in this in this film. Yeah. Did you like it? Oh, I forgot to say I love this movie. If it's really it. okay. if it's really going to be like a part one and a part two, which I believe has already been greenlit by the studio. Yes. I believe it's in pre-production. Then, yeah, I fucking love it. Because, like, if it was just the movie on its own, obviously, you're like, well, where's where's the other half of the story? But I think that as far as, like, a buildup goes, and with this notion that we know that it's going to be a continued story, I thought it was really good. All right. Well, I... uh I'm I'm having interesting conflicting thoughts about this movie. In order to like accurately depict how I feel about this, I need to talk about another movie. So bear with me. This other movie is called Rogue One: A Star Wars Story. Oh God! <laughs> oh no! Um, people love this movie, which is cool. That's fine. Um, I am glad. But when I saw <laughs> this, I was like, this movie is really good to look at. It's beautifully shot. But it had a predictable story because you knew where the story was going. And it had very, <clears throat> like, completely flat characters to me. Like, the Rogue One was basically like watching paint dry for me. And 
I had this idea before going into do, and I was like, I know where this story goes, and this is what I don't want. I don't want it to be a Rogue One. And thankfully, it fucking wasn't. Okay. God, dude. I was like, yeah. I'm like, th- yeah. I was sitting on fucking pins and needles. But, the time. but this is this is a production, right? This is this movie is like gorgeous to look at and behold. And while I was watching it, I was like, this is amazing. I was ca- caught up in the atmosphere. The visuals are just like breathtaking. The actors all do a really good job. But I think it was a better production than it was a story. As a story, I was like, okay, this isn't done yet. And I didn't latch on to any of the characters very deeply, which is it's, it's interesting because while I was watching it, I thought I was. But then like toward the evening, because I watched it in the morning, I was struggling to remember scenes. I was struggling to like remember character moments. So it's... It's it's weird. It's almost like the movie tricked me with with its production. And then later when I thought about it, I was like, it's not really a great movie yet. That's the thing is this is half a movie. And I was also thinking about it in terms of other episodic like movies, right? Like Lord of the Rings is the big one where it's you can tell a fraction of a story and have it be satisfying as its own narrative arc. Like I'm never like I don't finish watching Fellowship of the Ring and I'm like, ah, shit, it's over. Like the arc isn't finished. It feels like a complete movie. Dune, for all of its good, good elements, and there are plenty of good elements. I totally recommend the film. It doesn't feel like a complete story or even a complete story arc. And uh, yeah, the characters, the characters were a little flat as well. It's not. You're right. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um, it's rebuttals? Yeah, I, I have many. Um, well, I definitely agree with the character development. I think that they could have... All the characters are very broody and subdued, the whole movie. Yes. They talk... Very, I, fe- I found myself having to turn this movie up really loud oh, the whole yeah. time I was listening to it. And then, like, my Discord would ping in the background. I was like, holy shit! Because it was <laughs> so loud. Like, this movie's very quiet. It's very subdued. And, and it... And it shows and doesn't tell, but then tells, if that makes any sense. Like, it does everything right that the original Dune did wrong with explaining the story. So that's where I get a, a, conf- a little bit confused about your your feelings about it, because now I feel like the story is very clear. The things, the technology, it it's very clear. It's not... It's Mostly. not like yeah, it's not like it was before where you're like, who's this? Who why do I care? These characters are gone in, in one scene and here I, the next. I had a small amount of that. There were a few times when they were saying the gobbledygook words, and I was like, Who are you referring to? <clears throat> um, I think at the end when they have the like the fight scene between Paul Atreides and Desert Man, <laughs> um he's like, I only serve the the Blash Doc Dadabak and I was like, Who's that? Shalha what are you talking about? The Lisan Al Gaib. Um, yeah, there yeah. were a little too many of those where like maybe it told me, but my brain is really bad at picking these things up. But but for but in some movies it's not a problem. So it's hard well, to say why it is here. I think, but it's a minor problem. The biggest, I still agree with my original statement when I was talking about the original Doom. I really don't think that this is a medium that ever should have been put into visual form. 
maybe like a really long form series. You know what I was thinking? I was thinking like this should have been three movies. One should have been just them on like like establishing the political sphere of Arrakis and whatever's going on with the Empire and all that stuff. Because even in this movie, which takes its time far more than the original, it feels like they're on Arrakis for about eight hours before everything goes sideways. And you're like, wow, that was fast. Uh (laughs) You know? Yeah. That's kind of how it is in the book. Yeah, go ahead, Alex. Oh, okay. So based on what Jesse was saying, you're definitely right. Like, I think that Timothy Chalamet is a good actor. I think he was kind of constrained or pigeonholed into this role a little bit. And he seems a little plain. He seems a little default character type. Um, I think all of the characters actually, you're right. They are all pretty flat. There's no one really there that like you're rooting for. I think that the two deepest characters so far for me were Josh Brolin's character who I think they did a very good job of showing, like, I don't know. There's something about his character that I think is very interesting, and I thought he played the role very well. He definitely um, took the role of Gurney Halleck and made it his own because the this version of Gurney that he plays is very different from even the 84 version and the book version. Yeah. He's um, much more of, like, a warrior. Yeah, and, like, his little uh, asides to himself and his little quotes from, like, yeah whatever philosophy book oh there's an amazing there's an amazing moment of josh brolin acting where they have the little battle scene him and paul atreides and him like just just by virtue of his acting ability you feel what the uh what are the bad guys called again harkonnen harkonnen yeah you're like wow those guys are terrifying just by virtue of his performance oh yeah they're not human or exactly. something like that. They're animals. Um, but he's Josh Brolin. And yeah, no, I mean, every every performance in this movie is ace, I think. Yeah. I thought Timothy Chalamet won me over. I'd never seen him in anything. Oh, really? Um, yeah, never. Okay. Javier Bardem, of course, although he's in two scenes. I love when he shows up in anything. Yeah. He's great. Um, Oscar Isaac. Yeah. It's like, technically speaking, there's no fault in this movie. I think Dr. Kynes was one of my favorite characters, but I agree with you that, like, ah, see, I I was juggling it in my head while I was watching the film. Is this a film or a genre even that lends itself to that type of character exploration and medium? Let's combine all those things, right? So you got sci-fi. You have Mm -hmm. the genre of sci-fi coming in where exposition is a little more heavy or needs to be more cleverly tied in than other genres, right? Because you do have to know what the fuck is going on in a sci-fi story. But then there's also this aspect of it being a film, which I agree. I think this would have been a great high-budget miniseries, but I think that the first one suffered from that same kind of feeling too. You know, you didn't quite get the like epic nature of it. It doesn't feel as quite as epic or a struggle when it... Well, goes so they quickly. do try. Yeah. They do try. There's a whole lot of... um, And this was another thing. I don't know if the, the book does this. I can't remember if the other movie did this, but there's a whole lot of signposting of, Paul, you're the chosen one. <laughs> you're the chosen yeah. one. Everybody's going to tell you in some sort of way that you're the chosen one. Which I think is Lisan Al-Gaib. Lisan Al-Gaib, yeah, is... It, is it's the, the name. It's the mother and the son, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's like funny because I'm like bursting 
right now because <laughs> it's so interesting because I'm the only one here that's read the book. So I yeah. have this like big foundation to build off of. So when I see it's it, it's I, I literally cannot compare my interpretation of this movie to your guys's. It's this is a very interesting phenomenon that I'm having right now. Where like you know what's funny though is my dad is a big fan of the books, and he liked it less than me. It just left. Well, yeah, him that's because he's old. Like I'm not. Gonna, I'm not <laughs> yeah, I really don't take that into like any consideration at all. Yeah, like, old people. Their opinions are just. Yeah. no it's more <laughs> just like he's just like he's older and he's gonna look at like newer movies and all like the cgi and he's gonna be like this is just like too much for my brain like like you know it's mm. just it's a lot of old people shit like they, they all view movies like that it's it, it's too much action. i'm just gonna i'm just gonna let that go um sure uh yeah the the context the foundation of the book lends itself to being able to understand the characters and like them a little bit more and like feel because everything you guys are talking about, it's like, yes, they do that. They constantly signpost to the book that Paul's the chosen one because there's a greater subtext of the movie going on, which I think they brilliantly describe in this version of Dune. And I think it's, it's kind of missed out on is this whole idea of it's not about, I think um, the Benny Gesserit, um, the uh, uh, guy M, whatever her name is, uh, the 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 main Benny Gesserit woman who tests Paul. She says we work in centuries, not in years. Like we work in millennia, not in years. Like we don't think small. We think ten thousand, twenty thousand years from now. That is the theme of Dune. That mm-hmm. is what Dune right. is about. Because <clears throat> one of the things I was remembering is you telling us that he becomes a sandworm god at the end that yes. stuck with me so i was like this is and your your idea about um like the 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 deeds of the past or the legends of the future like it takes place over thousands of years and stuff like that yeah it's like you're seeing you're we are watching christ as like a young man and we will eventually see him as like coming back from the dead you know what i mean like we are watching the anthology of a prophet of a god becoming like this is his beginning so it's slow it's quiet they have to constantly because paul constantly is like struggling with this idea of like what am i am i but you're are you you're talking about the books now no i'm I'm talking no i'm talking about the movie that's why i love the movie the movie explains the movie seems super accelerated too no it's slow this movie's so slow it's like they take their time with everything like every scene that is directly out of the book they they did it verbatim every little movement like (laughs) it's just i don't know what are you laughing about no, it's just funny. I'm not like it's just a really interesting. Like, it's interesting how the knowledge of the source material changes your reaction. Well, that's why I say the source. This is not a movie. This shouldn't have never. Oh, I can't talk today. This should have never been a movie. It shouldn't have. Dune is not. It's too big. It's it's an amazing movie for what it is. But for you guys. As a Dune fan, I want you both to love and understand the story like I do. I want you to see the connections that I see and go, oh shit, look how they're doing it. But you can't because you haven't read the book. So certain movies, that's okay. That's fine. There's tons of movies that's fine. The Witcher series, Lord of the Rings, that's all doable. Dune I I liked this movie a lot. And I don't know if that's coming across. No, I see. Because I am being critical. But Alex, please. Again, with my question... Take this genre, like all science fiction, even the literature of it, 
there's lots of exposition, but when you read something and there's obviously going to be more character development, right? Cause there's more lines of dialogue or written script in a book than there is frames in a movie. However, would you agree, Jeff, that when it comes to visualizing sci-fi, that character development gets put to the side just a little bit? Absolutely. And okay. especially, I'm, that's a, I was agreeing with you wholeheartedly. I don't, I'm sorry if I didn't make that clear. I'm just very passionate about this because it's like, I character development is not what Dune is about. It's about the world. It's about the environment. Frank, this is, you got to think about the time place that he was writing in. It's very early. I mean, he's like the second great, I mean, it's Asimov, Frank Herbert, and Philip K. Dick are like the three godfathers of sci-fi. And, you know, these these men were writing sci-fi in a very early time. And it's about, it's seven books. It's never meant to be yeah. looked at in a vacuum. There is there'd be two movies. Should yeah. be seven movies. And and so I mean Harry Potter was seven movies, eight movies because yeah, it's seven it. books and it, and, it, and good, I different feel good directors it to beautifully do it. D- illustrates and there's hits and misses on the particular movies. Like I don't mind sequential movies when you are trying to tell an epic tale. Yeah. I, I mean I just don't like sequential movies that are ba- I don't like Crank 6, Fast and Furious 800. What are you trying to say anymore? So there are a few trying to say that things are fast and furious that I think that Dune and it's about family like suffers from not necessarily out of fault or out of anyone's like shortcomings, but just how do I say this? There are different ways that this film should latch on to the audience, right? Like some people look at the story and they're like, oh shit, this is like an environmental ecological type thing. You have the visitors and the foreigners raping the land versus the indigenous people who have always lived in harmony with nature, right? You have Paul, like if he is truly this Jesus figure, you have Paul in the midst of this world, this like society, this universal empire who I guess is going to become the one that kind of like sheds the like austere political nature of his background and becomes more close with the Fremen. Right. So that's his like Jesus story. But then there's a few other avenues that it's just like, I don't know where they want me to latch on to. And I'm only talking about narrative right now and the way that characters sure. interact with each other. I'm like, <sighs> I'm glad Paul's mother was obviously a big part of the movie because him and her are a huge part of the story and the narrative. I just, I like don't feel anything from her. Jason Momoa's character, even I like, didn't feel anything when he had his. He's the Poe Dameron character. Yeah, I mean, basically, and then yeah, Zendaya's character, um, obviously, what is her name? Chani. Yeah, her Chani. Her thing will come in part two. Yeah, their journey with Javier Bardem. Their journey will hopefully come in part two, and we'll get this epic, like almost Lawrence of Arabia esque type, you know. That's befriending they, tribes in the desert. That's, that's why they stopped the movie there. Is because it's that's the we've watched the, the first part. The book Dune is separated into two parts, and it's the first part is Paul's arrival in Arrakis and everything we've seen, and the second part is yeah. I was talking about more like points of engagement for a general audience, right? Because when you make this film Dune, it's like obvious that you're taking on a behemoth work of literature, but. 
audiences and like I want to even go as far to say sometimes filmmakers they they can't get too caught up in that aspect where it's like how can I make it so a 13 year old kid that just got out of class who's going in to see this movie enjoy it in the same way I can get the 40 50 year old seasoned reader to enjoy this film and I think that Villeneuve does a great job with it and again I said like he made the the plot a lot more consumable than David Lynch's film. I mean, like most of David Lynch's things, but, (laughs) but there is something here that I don't know. It doesn't hit me the same way that I should feel. But again, I was the one who said I loved the movie, right? Like I love this movie knowing that a second part is coming. Yeah. It's difficult for me. And I, I really liked it. I, when I finished it, like as I finished it, I was like, that was amazing. And it was only in thinking about it. Like I said earlier that like some of the problems started to arise, but it's like, I'm not saying that these are like really hardcore criticisms. I'm just, it just feels like it's half a movie. Right. And mm-hmm. it's hard. It's hard for me to judge, but I will say like, there's not a lot of movies that I see anymore that like I watch it and my mouth is hanging open and I'm like, wow, sitting there like, wow, <laughs> in wow mode. I wasn't even in the theater. I was sitting at my desk, yeah. you know, just sitting there like, wow, that's so cool looking. I loved the spice. I loved the way they the visualized atmosphere. it. And I loved the hallucination thing that they did with Paul and the spice. Mm. I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. I loved when he would like hold up the little lantern light in the tent when him and his mother are out in the desert. And you can see like the little flakes of the spice just kind of like floating around. I love that part. There was so much attention to the, to the, the tangibleness of this world, the so much down to the shields and how you have to move slowly to get through them. That was all Mm -hmm. just talk, like just shown beautifully. They didn't have to like tell you in eight lines of dialogue about how the shields work. Mm -hmm. You could see perfectly. And then they, would show that really great representation because you could then see how the battle was t- turning because they did that top-down shot where the Harkonnens are fighting the Atreides and like you mm-hmm. can see all the Harkonnens are like flashing red because they're like getting killed and all the Atreides are flashing blue because their mm. blades aren't penetrating. And then when the Sardaukar come in from behind, that flips and all the Sardaukar start flashing blue and all the Atreides start flashing red yeah. until they're dead. Like he does really great visual tricks with the lore and and resources that the world already has provided and that's the beauty of this universe is that it's so tangible it's so gritty and real like when they're in the tent and you can see the water running through the veins Mm -hmm. of the tent that they're in because it's like a collecting their their moisture and at the end when like he has like the the big vision of him and the they it's funny because they didn't call it a jihad in this movie, which is very oh, interesting. Oh, you couldn't do that now. It's very interesting because... It's, uh, it's too tied to Taliban's. Know, because back in, in the book, the holy war that Paul visualizes, he calls it a jihad. He says it's a jihad uh, amongst the stars. And to bring... Yeah. like, And I see the, the banner of Paul Atreides and people worshipping at the shrine of my father's skull. I was just like, oh my God, he killed that scene. He killed that scene. But like... All and then he hands her the water and she's like drinking it. And she's like kind of recoils and he's like t- sweat and tears. Yeah, because they I were just, crying. I, yeah, I just thought that was such an incredible like one line to sum up the entire scene. Prior. I just want like, to say really quick that 
going back to the tie that you talked about, like the jihad thing, linguistically, the Fremen are very, very, very much like their language is basically Arabic. So yeah, Masa yeah, al Gaib is like. Yeah, Lisan al Gaib is. Yeah. yeah it's and like then what is Hald Shalud? Is the worm Shai Shai Halud? Shai Halud. Okay. Shai Halud is the name of it. it it's like the sandworm in general. It's so like, Frank Herbert was like, "Who lives in sand? I know they'll speak Arabic." Yeah, exactly. I, it's more like Frank Herbert saw a British like occupation of places during World War One in the Middle East, mm. <coughs> and Lawrence saw Herbert how we like came statement. in and like cracked open their like natural resources. Like we came in under the guise of protectors, but instead like pillaged and cracked open there and then we then that's why we're still there like mining lithium and shit like that to I mean day. white people which is the you know? I think white people the classic crux of like if you were to put dune in like the the hero's journey or like try and like assign to some type of structure to it or formulaic like theory it would be this Lawrence of Arabia dances with wolves type thing you Definitely. know like the the man who was raised on this side of society is now in touch and in tune with this other side. And it's always usually like you have just this calling. Like Lawrence in Lawrence of Arabia, he just was naturally, he like knew the history and the culture of all the different Bedou tribes out in Saudi Arabia. So he was the perfect man to, you know, unite them. Whereas with Paul, it's like this messiah type of like, you, you have the ability to wear the still suits like we do and things like that. It's like, I don't but know, great- you have this calling where it's like you are a prophet. But the best part about all of this is that it's not real. It's all fake. And that's the beauty of yeah. this movie. The ideas. It's about the ideas, not the characters. It's What do you what do you mean it's fake? It's so the Benny Gesserit, mm-hmm. they they say this in the beginning. The Benny Gesserit went to Arrakis hundreds and hundreds of years ago and planted the superstitions of the Lisan al Gaib and everything that Paul is supposed to be in the Fremen culture hundreds oh, really? of years before any of this happened. I missed, I did no and, idea. And oh. so careful, careful for part two spoilers for people who yeah. don't know. No, this, she mentions anything I say, I will, it, it's, it's been mentioned in the movie. Yeah. This okay. part's in the movie. Yeah. She says it right in the beginning. She says that we seeded the Fremen with these superstitions and mm. Paul coming to Arrakis so the emperor there's, has there's, his. They so the, spelled their own demise with that. So the one. emperor has his own stupid political bullshit going on, right? Alcibiades is getting too popular, so he's going to send them to Arrakis and then allow Harkonnens to take them over, thus crushing this voice. Blah blah blah. That's one plot. The other plot, and the Bene Gesserit say this, is that the Bene Gesserit work outside of the emperor's goals. Their goals are to create the the um. Oh God! What does she call him? Uh, that's the one name of Paul's I always forget. Is his um uh, the Quizat Qui- Haderach? Yeah, exactly. Quizat Haderach. Yeah, because he's Benny Jester. Only supposed to be women, and so Jessica. Th- uh, they have breeded throughout all thousands of years because they're trying to create this perfect being, this perfect woman who has all the prescience, all the ability to see the future, and that's the Quizat Haderach. And Jessica in giving in to Leto Atreides' love for her, 
decided to give him a son because Benny Gesserits can choose what the gender of their child is depending on the welcome moon. to the Dune lore, cast. <laughs> the moon yeah. cycle and stuff like that. They they mention all this. Like that's the thing is they say all of this in the okay. movie. Well, where are you, where are you going with all this? The point that's my is, question. The, my where I'm going with all of this is that these are greater themes at play here. That Paul is now like attributing like is this my destiny? Is this real? Am I actually? this person or am I just feeding into the Benny Gesserit superstitions? Mm-hmm. And that's the struggle of the main character is it's more thematic than it is represented in his individual actions. Well, no. Yeah. He says, he says that a few times you can see him struggling with that. When he tells his mother, they're chanting that because they've been told to chant that and they believe I'm the prophet because that's what they've been trained to believe. Yeah, so I was just going to say that, that, that bothers him. Like there's that internal struggle with Paul where he's just like, am I doing right by these people or are they ha- have they been hoodwinked as well? You know, am I just uh. like a cog in this giant like movement that is going to destroy everything? You know, um, exactly. I think that the emperor aspect is very interesting because he's not shown in the film. He's just talked about a lot. But uh, I thought his goal was like to have House Harkonnen and Atreides just basically destroy each other. No. Because he didn't like no. either of them. He doesn't like Harkonnen, but Harkonnens have made profit for the Empire for so long. It's more like the other great houses listen to Duke Atreides. They, okay. He is the true voice of the great houses. The great houses at one point warred with the Empire. Mm. And then they, the Empire subjugated them under all these different like contracts and treaties and all these things where it's like, okay, you are part of the greater empire, but you are all still individual houses. Mm-hmm. And Atreides is the greatest of the houses and they are the strongest and the most listened to. So the Empire feels threatened by Duke Atreides' ability to gain and garner support of the other great houses. So he basically goes... Here you go. Here's a fucked up world that's totally collapsing that you'll definitely not be able to make a profit from. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to slam you in the back with the Harkonnens, totally wipe you out. And then the Harkonnens are going to take responsibility because they're just trying to take back their spice production. Got it. And so it's like a whole kind of weird political drama. That part frustrated me in the movie because I didn't I didn't understand. It's like they set it up afterwards, right? Because I have no knowledge of any of this. I was like, wait a minute, so is this cool with the empire? Like, yeah, these, <laughs> these these guys have come back. They've they've been here for like a day. I know. And it's just cool to come and wipe them out. The Sardaukar like are the empire's the, for like specially trained units. So because they that that because they were Sardaukar, that's how they knew the empire had betrayed them. Yeah, I understood that later, <laughs> but but as it was happening, I was like kind of distracted. I was like, "Is this just fine?" Like, I don't know. I think that's for the layman. They could have set that up for me a little bit better. Yeah, I, I think agree. That Denis probably before he made this film, he probably had these same types of like internal discussions. I mean, and external with other people, right? Like he he's thinking to himself, like, because obviously this guy sat down and read the books while he was getting prepped for the film. He might have had a team you know, like help him read the books and stuff like that. But either way, there was some engagement with source material. And he probably is thinking to himself, like, how am I going to make this film palpable without it being like, oh, well, you've had to have read seven books before you can sit down and enjoy this film. So I feel like he did an okay job, or he did a good job. 
an excellent job. Excuse me. Let me just raise up that a little bit because I loved this movie. But I agree with you, Jesse, that as someone who also likes very, very slow and dry, dramatic character exploration movies, I was left a little wanting in that in that well, department. Also, um, and I like once again, I really like this movie, people. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and and co-hosts. I'm not like trying to destroy it. I think it was. I think it was a the fucking experience. Um, do you think it could have used like? some kind of levity or do you think it's cool just like being completely like game of thrones dour you know i prefer that personally i, I find levity to be pretty like i don't know i actually well there are different was... ways you don't have to have like paul rudd in there making jokes or something i actually thought where the levity was was obviously with jason momoa's character like oh you put on muscle really no you know like there were little moments like that with right. his character but i agree Every single character interaction, it was like, there's no fun in this world. There's no fun in this universe. We are all business. You know, like, oh, you know, <laughs> you know what I also thought of? Um, I like to do this exercise sometimes when a movie is very score heavy, which this one really is. And also, by the way, the score is incredible. Oh, it's awesome. It, um, but I was I was imagining in my brain and it made me chuckle like these scenes happening without score. And it would have been like really f- like them walking off the ship mm-hmm. and it has this like this epic music going on. And I was like, let's just strip that out in our in our mental theater. And it's just them with these like like epic shots walking down the ramp with just like silence and desert wind. I kind of like that stuff. I usually sometimes turn music off in video games and stuff because I do like the kind of creepiness of like just mm, silence in a game yeah, yeah. But I, that's I mean, like you, you can tailor your experience you can't be, do it in a movie be dope if there they are there are that. things there are like people have done that with scenes like really impactful legendary scenes in cinema and it's hilarious how much it changes it it becomes like so dry and funny when it was like once this really heartfelt emotional scene and it just robs it of all emotion i think though they say that sound is like a huge amount of like more than visuals what you know oh, yeah. triggers your emotions i think levity though would have pushed this movie to your point jesse it would have pushed it into that rogue one star wars territory for you Honestly, I feel it might have. I feel the it like might have. it being so dour and serious was good in coming off in a way that was like, this is a serious story. This is an epic story. This is gonna get like, I don't know. Like, uh, I hate to say the first Star Wars isn't deep, right? Because it's like Luke is obviously dealing with lots of like issues and things like that. But as this franchise and the things have gone on, like the amount of urgency or like um, profoundness when it comes to character actions in Star Wars just does nothing for me. It like barely even registers because that's what the films, the films have turned into not being about that. Right. So another thing I wanted to say was that this movie did a really good job. I feel like not focusing too much on like the cool sci-fi space effects and special effects and CGI that were available to them. Like, it was a production for sure, but it wasn't just like it. It didn't feel gratuitous, exactly. Right? It was good. It felt like there's a lot of flying around and seeing these awesome spaceships and stuff. Yeah, but it it was it wasn't in a way that was even mildly irritating. It was exactly. like wow, those those were wow moments. And it is hard to 
it's hard to like draw the distinction as to why that is, but maybe levity if they had like some kind of jokey characters, like like some quippiness in there. You're right. I might I might have been angry. Yeah, I mean I don't <laughs> know. It would have ruined the tone of the movie. <laughs> yeah, the whole the total tone of the movie is this like I don't know. For me, it was this dour idea of like being given something that you know is going to fail, like starting something that you know is going to fail. And I really agree with you, Alex, about I very much got a lot of New Hope uh, vibes yeah. from this movie when I was oh, watching for it. sure. Like there was for a sure. lot of like kind of like setting up that slow pace and that kind of calmness that New Hope had before it really takes off and mm-hmm. around the end. I don't know. I I feel like this is like the next big great sci-fi franchise yeah. Well, you said something a little while ago, Jeff, that sort of was was really good to say to me in regards to this movie is that it's more about the world than it is the characters. And that's like that is an interesting way for me to reframe it when I watch it again, which I will because yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. But I think I think like above all else, I think my biggest problem was that within this one movie, it didn't feel like a satisfying arc. You know, it mm-hmm. didn't feel like. Yeah. a movie it felt like half a movie and there are ways to make it feel like a full movie like i said lord of the rings is a perfect example you know what i mean or like harry potter i guess those can feel like 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 t- like complete story arcs mm-hmm. can i can i rebut to that by saying those are feel like complete story arcs because they're telling complete story arcs the fellowship yeah. of the ring is the f- right this isn't the end of the first Dune book that we're at right now. This is, we're at the second half of the first Dune book. I get it. I'm just so saying it's, it's just a like, problem. Maybe that's why, but I'm saying is maybe that's why it doesn't feel complete is because it's not. And because you, it's not. And yeah, be, and, you're right. <laughs> and because you feel completeness from those other movies because they're complete stories. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't, I can't think of a single example where, you're telling half a story, literally half a story with no end, no final page, no back cover. Uh, and you are able to like make it feel like an, a full conclusion of mm. one movie. I can't think of a yeah. single example. Wait, Twilight Breaking Dawn oh, Part 1? There we go. Right? They, they busted yeah, that Harry Potter two. 7 Part 1. Uh, the final Harry Potter, they busted that into two as well. And uh, yeah. What and about Kill Bill? I don't Kill Bill's not a book, though. <laughs> no, well, it doesn't no, matter. No, it's not. It's, but it was written. It was story. written as one, I believe, and he planned to do like yeah. one huge story, and then he uh, he cut it off. You know, the thing that helps with that film, I will say, is like she's on like a killing spree, and she has a sequential like laundry list of people that she's gonna go kill. Right. So it like makes sense to if you were gonna split it up, you're like, oh, okay. Well, we'll see here. Get to the other three people on her death list very soon. Yeah, but that's also a screenplay that he wrote. Yeah. So he can easily change it. Like, we can't go dig up Frank Herbert and be like, hey, man, can you make this story make sense for like a two part, four part <laughs> epic sequel? We can if I we cancel I, him. I, I think <laughs> I think that you can adapt, Jesse. I don't think it's impossible. Frank Herbert had some ladies touch his sandworm inappropriately. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I don't think that it's impossible to make this movie feel, and I definitely see that as like I when I was looking around at the general feeling that that was like the feeling of the movie it was like, oh, that's a great movie, but I want the other half. I know what the other seven halves are, so it's like I am like, okay, cool, 
Like that's fine. You're like I ready. Wait. I already You're know. Like, Let's nah, do I already this. know the rest of the story. Just show me the rest of the story. I already know. So so for yeah. Hopefully they go through the whole thing, right? That'd be sweet. I have um, a question. Not I, just part two, but I'd rather they go through the first three Dune books. When it gets to mm. the fourth Dune book, shit starts getting real weird because well, that's uh, I you, like that because <laughs> like the first book takes place in Arrakis. The rest I wanna, of the series, I want the lead character to be a sandworm. You know what I mean. <laughs> the rest of the series does not take place on Ar- Arrakis. The, you the, have his internal monologue being narrated by Morgan Freeman. Just not listening, yet, folks. Just trying to make jokes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So uh, I don't know if you've met me, my name's Jesse. Um, nice to yeah, meet you. So. So, yeah, but I kind of feel like, you know, this they ended it at the best possible place you could have ended it in this story, which is now we're going to go talk about in part two about Paul with the Fremen. I think that, that, yeah, like, I don't know if this was originally the plan, but I have like an idea that the film was made. It was ready to go. People watched it. They're like obviously going to put it on streaming services, right? So on the title screen, when you see Dune... I had no idea that it was going to have a little subtitle that says part one. And I'm wondering if they, after that they greenlit the second movie, if they were like, okay, like we're going to put part one underneath. And at least for it me, it was also that probably helped. a response to criticism of like people being like, there's not a whole movie. Yeah. That could be it too. You know, it helped like, me a lot. Like people, people aren't like, like as clued into what's going on in Hollywood as we are in our tiny fucking way that we are. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like the general person, some dad is going to go see, he's like, oh, Dune, you know? Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't know it's part one. But putting you know that I mean? little text actually helped me a lot, I will say. Yeah, that's a good thing. And you you want to say that because it frames it well. You, I, you're like, this is half This is half a movie. Yeah. It's telling you up front <laughs> that it's half a movie. It's part one. I think you guys are really touching on the point that I've been trying to make this whole time is that I care about this material so much that I want people to receive this movie in a way that's the best version of it possible. And when I hear things like, oh, you know, this and that and the other, it's like, like, uh, oh, the characters fell flat or the universe didn't feel real or I felt bored or it was long. It's like, I keep going back to like, God damn it. Like, why the fuck did we make a Dune movie? <laughs> because it has to be that way. Yeah. Because you can't tell this story other way. If you want to like, if you want to experience this movie in the best way possible, I'd say wait until part two is out and just watch them back to back. Probably, yeah. I mean, that would probably be the like the best way to watch this. Which assuming the, the second one is good, which we'll assume is good. Denis Villeneuve has never made a bad movie. I just I'm, don't. I'm in. I just don't think as long as like, as long as you keep the same director. Like at least for like the first two parts, and you don't do like a Ryan Johnson dealio. Uh, oh god! Yeah, you have the ability to really keep a story consistent and and the same between sequential. As long as D- Denny Villeneuve and the other Villeneuve, whatever the fuck the stupid asshole's last name is. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, how just dare change. you be French Canadian? <laughs> just change, it. change it to Smith. Change, be it. Dennis Smith, you cunt. <laughs> like, god damn it. Um, yeah, but it's just. It's a movie that I think he can easily do a second part of as long as he's given the same creative freedom, the same budget. Actors have the same willingness to do it. Cast is there. The cast is there. The production value oh, yeah. is there. It'll be. It'll be. It'll be the, good. It'll yeah. be. If you like this one, you're gonna like the next. The one, feeling sure. and the vibe that they've put out is there, and everything like that. Um, I'm actually, without like spoiling it, because I can't remember the 1984 version or not whether or not. 
It's so funny. We saw that like two know, weeks ago. But it's just a cacophony <laughs> just of left my craziness. Um, oh, that's Brolin's right. There's no, there's no back? dogs. There's no dogs in this movie. I was really disappointed. <laughs> I don't know. We didn't see him die, did no. we? I thought that. I thought about that too. That's the thing. He's one of my favorites as well. Because I, mean, I, I we'll really figure it out him. in part two. I thought there was some type of reunion of some type in the older Dune between an old friend and and Paul and him seeing him on the battlefield and just being like, Oh my God, like you're still alive. Like what's up? Oh yeah, that's right. But so we probably will, but we'll, we'll find out. I thought like maybe they already did it with him and Jason Momoa. Like when he shows up on Arrakis and he's like, Oh my boy, you know, and they hug or whatever. So I don't know, but oh, I would Duncan Idaho's dead. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Duncan Idaho is for sure. Like gone. Oh, uh, lame. Yeah. And I'm kind of happy because Jason Momoa was like, like one of my least favorite characters. Yeah. He was, you know, he's interesting in it, in that I, as far oh, as wait, his he's cr- Duncan Idaho. Yeah. Yeah. Gurney Halleck is Josh Brolin. Yeah. Oh, okay. So Gurney yeah, Halleck, I think we didn't see him die and I would love to see Josh Brolin come back all grizzled, you know, oh, we're for sure like. going to see him. Um, I think that was in the original. Yeah. I think yeah. he's, basically playing um what's picard's what's the actor what is that guy's name fuck <laughs> don't don't help yeah, him I'm literally Alex, like, you have no, to you have I'm to think of this one on your own tell you i'm what? sorry well we'll wait come on no we're not gonna wait about his face bald other gandalf exactly yeah like uh, professor x yes exactly so professor x shows up Super with his long cul-de-sac of balding hair when it's like they like gave him like you know like the it like grew out so it's like longer such a perfect description patrick stewart there it is patrick stewart there it is you got it got it eventually well josh brolin i can't wait to see them shave your head into oh my god the fryer he just look. shows up with the same haircut yeah, that the Patrick same Stewart had in the last movie yeah. it has a chocolate banana yeah oh yeah he's god. got a banana he's got a dog <laughs> some pancakes oh my god just yeah, carrying a dog infinity gauntlet in the other hand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my but lord but i will say i like how I'm a big guy. I'm like big on trailers and stuff. And I always like to dissect. He's a big guy. Yeah. I'm a big guy on trailers. I like how they didn't show a lot of Paul's mother in the trailers. Right. And like that was left to unfold in the story. Because I mean, for me, at least even going to Lynch's original one, I was always like, what's the, what the fuck is going on with these ladies? Wait, I had that question in this movie. I was like, wait a minute. What? hmm. Cause like, did we, did we even, so his mother is not the same as, like Duke Atreides' wife, right? No, she's a concubine. Yes. Okay. Do we? Because he, she's called a concubine, and I was like, is he being facetious or insulting, or is he actually a concubine? I believe. Or is like, did we see? Did we see Paul's, not Paul's mother, but did we see like the the queen or whatever? There is no queen. No. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, because he was like, I should have married you, Duke Leo Atreides. Uh never married because he loves Jessica so much, even though uh, it had weakened his political position many times because he could have married into the empire empire and then been pretty much immune to the emperor's like wildings, but he decided not to because he was in love with Jessica. This stuff is not in the movie. No, it's (laughs) not. There's like two references and I was like, wait a minute. What? I believe. I don't, I don't, I don't understand from really, really like, shallow superficial research i believe that the bene Gesserit sends a witch or like you know uh, a woman to each royal house 
to be yeah, bred. Yeah, they say that in the beginning. You know, because the like what Jeff was saying, they're looking for the Quasach whatever. You know, <laughs> like the Quidditch hairy rat. <laughs> the butterscotch whatever so <laughs> yeah like i think that she was just there in the, the butterscotch house. pudding pop. yeah and he fell in love with her and leto was like i love you so he made her a concubine eventually got it because he could not make a benny jesserit they call her witches they're they're called witch like they're not liked people amongst most of the other great houses and the empire i mean they're just they're basically like the bilderberg group of the empire they don't pretty much really doing all the shit behind the scenes they don't really scream like maternal welcoming you know like (laughs) the way that they dress did anyone else laugh when paul asks her what's in the box Uh, you cannot you cannot you cannot say what's in the box in any movie in any tonality Without making me laugh. <laughs> I mean, I but I didn't laugh. I just went immediately, like, without, like, compulsory. I just went, what's in the box? <laughs> yeah, like, my, that's what my brain did, you know? Because you always got to go to that last time he says it when he extends yes. the word <laughs> box really long. Uh, good old oh, good. seven. <laughs> oh, that movie is just a, just a piece of pop culture history. Um, now, this, uh, I mean, basically to wrap it up, I mean, I think we've said it a lot. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Film, but this, this movie just... I think encapsulates everything that's good about the Dune story, but I I do worry about its long-term success if it doesn't try to wrangle in, or I don't know, I don't even know if it can. I I just worry about its long-term success with a wide audience because of the difficulty with the gobbledygook names and the thousand different things you have to remember and all the different characters. And eventually Paul stops being the main character if we get far enough in the story. People are digging it, man. The audience rating is even better than the critical one. But is that because it's a visual masterpiece is is a visual cornucopia of beauty and special yes. effects. I think we've passed that Absolutely. a long time ago. I think visual effects are king when it comes to general audiences. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I didn't I wasn't sure what you were saying there, but but yeah, I mean the 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 experience of this movie is why people yeah. like it for sure. I mean, but the longevity of the series and it continuing to be as good as it can be because it is good. Fuck Dune is good. Mm-hmm. Uh it, it, it really needs to rely on the things that you're talking about. And the reason I got so passionate about this point, Jesse, was when you originally made the point when you said, I liked this movie until I started to think back on it. And that right there is a fundamentally huge crack in a movie's armor to be able to have longevity and have lasting power in, a, in the industry is because movies have to be memorable. You have to think about them and go like, Really like did I did I like this character? Did it mean something to me? We did need part two, man. I know, right? And that's it's what like, I'm saying. It's just, yeah. That's I can't. I like I can all, I can say what I feel about it now, but what I feel about it will be like transmogrified sure. into whatever final version of Jesse's opinion I have in part two. You I know just what I mean? worry for this one. Cha- we'll like to wrap it up for me, I think this is a, a great experience. I think it's one of the prettiest movies i've ever seen it's a fantastic sci-fi i like that it's slow i like that it's not a bunch of action schlock um i do like the tone uh even though i i did question it with you guys i I like that it's somber and isn't like some quippy bullshit that's clearly written for you know the roland emmerich audience (laughs) um but i think that's and i think it's an awesome world and I like your point that 
the world is more important than the characters because the characters did fall kind of flat. Um, but only kind of, I still thought the acting was great and, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting one. I definitely recommend it. It's worth seeing maybe multiple times. I kind of want to watch it again already. Yeah. Um, I watched it twice but I, but I think it's, it's definitely half a story. It's not a satisfying story. Mm-hmm. So That's just fair. as long as you know that, Going in, like, temper your expectations, you know? That's fair. I think that's a fair analysis to have about it's like this type of ending. getting into, like, a car, right? And I'm like, ooh, these seats are comfy. I like the interior. I like the way that the steering wheel feels in my hands. All right, I'll put my seatbelt on. You know, you start the car, and I'm like, oh, this car's nice. It's got a good engine in it. And then the movie ends. But it's okay because you know that you're going to be able to, you know, continue. But everything else about it so far, the setup is fine. And the setup is good. Like, I'm ready to go. I just wish that both fucking films were filmed already. But I wanted to say one thing really quick. Spice, what is its real world, (laughs) like, you know, corollary? Well, we don't have any chemicals is that weed? like engender space travel no it'd be like dmt or something yeah i would think it would have to be something like deeply like yeah oh that's mes- actually mescaline. another big question so, i have for you guys what exactly do we do we have any dmt do, yeah <laughs> what is the exact use for spice when it outside of the fremen they say it's used for interstellar travel like is that yeah. for the pilots so they can withstand yeah. it or is it like a fuel this, it's fuel. It, no, it's not fuel. What? It's, oh. I, so, okay, so. I, I, well, I they didn't, they to, didn't do a good yeah, job. No, they didn't. This is actually my number one. This was actually, thank you for bringing this up. I know it's at the end of the podcast. I apologize. But I will briefly go over it. Um, this is my actual number one complaint. I appreciate I'm you curious. Back, is they this, fucking don't weird. explain Spice well. Um, so Spice is used by navigators to plot routes between stars uh, by using an ability called prescience. Spice gives prescience. It allows you to slightly see a tr- uh, kind of muddled future. You can kind of slightly predict the future. Oh, well, we see that. It's given to in excess to people called mentats. And mentats, uh, because in, in the Dune world, our civilization, humans as in today, not as in the Dune world, as in Jesse and all of us, had already yeah. existed. And we created great AI that destroyed us. And so machines are and computers are expressly forbidden in the Dune world. Mm-hmm. So you can't use navigational computers Whoa. to get from other stars to other stars. You have to use people. Everything is done by people. So Spice allows the navigators to see through seeing into the future... The, the routes between stars because traveling all, all traveling through space is is traveling through light you know so you're either going in the future or the past okay and so, so let's navigate but it's given to mentats and mentats are able so remember in the very beginning when he uh, Atreides <laughs> looks over to his mentat Thufir Hawat and he says how much is this little trip gonna cost us and Thufir's eyes roll back oh. and then he kind of like calculates yeah. the value and then like his eyes roll forward again that's what mentats do is they're human computers. They Got can move their it. brains work on a level that's way faster than anyone else's. So they need to eat spice. So the Baron has that. one as well, a mentat. Yes, the Baron. Yeah, that's 
Peter DeVry. He's the bald guy yeah. with the little like thing on his lip, and he's the one who gets killed by the that the gas. Also and used Peter a lot of David yeah. Lynch work, which I thought yeah. was cool. Peter's actually a huge character in the book, and they don't even say his name once. I forgot. I forgot that Dave Bautista was in this movie. Oh yeah, yeah, he plays for this Robin. whole conversation because yeah, yeah, he has like one and a half lines. Yeah, he plays I'm Robin. assuming we'll see him much more in the next. Yeah, Raban one. is like he becomes not really. I mean, it depends on how they decide. Is he the Sting character? Yeah. Uh, no, he's no, the other no, no. one. Sting is, yeah, he's the other one. Fade Ralph okay. is Sting. They haven't um, shown Fade, have they? No, Fade, because Fade is mostly in part two Ooh. when the Baron You know what I want? You know what I hope we Paul's get alive. for this? Sting again? I hope we get a, I hope we get a Lord of the Rings level director's cut. Mm. That just has way more shit. Honestly, hopefully I, they I would even watch, need more I would shit. watch this movie for like three and a half. Yeah, hours, I was gonna say make it three know, and a half with more technical, if like they, more more explanation. If they, more if they character talked stuff. about everything I'm talked about, like like they haven't even gone to like you know like the sandworms or a whole yeah, set up the gone. world. The world is so unique, and yeah, that's why you need a part two, and that's why you guys keep saying part two. Wait for part two. I don't think it's ending there because you can't tell just Dune. The ending of Dune is the biggest fucking cliffhanger on the planet. And then Dune Messiah, the second book, Paul's not even the main character. So it's uh, we'll, like, we'll see. We'll see what they do. The, yeah, so it's so like, far, it's only part two. Exactly. So it's like this whole, I'm seeing this, like, I'm almost seeing like a Benny Jester. I'm seeing <laughs> this whole film franchise right now. You're and I'm like, I'm like trying to go like the where Dune, is this the Dune go? cinematic universe, all man. Right, right, They'll yeah, get Robert but... Downey Jr. <laughs> oh yeah, so great. Chris bring Evans. All the Avengers to back. any kids listening, yeah. stay in astrophysics and engineering long enough, and they might have a position for you where you literally just take DMT and sit in a room with a map and figure out where yep. we need to go. I mean, I just do that. I know. In any way. I, hey, I'm a mentat. <laughs> I'm an amateur mentat, right? Like, oh yeah. <laughs> My eyes yeah, rolling I mean, I, in the I, back of my head and shit. I'm like the opposite with weed, though. Like, the weed just makes me stupid. See, and that's the, just the hilarious <laughs> thing to me is that, like, Dune does, like, the spice does stuff to your eyes. And all I can think of is these people walking around this universe just boofed out of their mind, right? <laughs> just like, are you high right now? And you're like, no. And you're like, your eyes are blue. Come here. Let me look at them. Like, is this, <laughs> is it, is it a kind of whitewashing, right? Because you take like an Arab people, but you make them have like Aryan eyes through this drug. I honestly have never even thought of that. It's kind of funny. It's like, oh, nice blue eyes. Because they're like, okay, we'll have Javier Bardem. We'll have a few black people. Enlightened people have white people. We'll have a few black people and then maybe, you know, some Arab people. Those are the Fremen. Like, you can't figure out why they have this certain accents when they speak English. You're like, well, you have an Arab accent. You have like this Nigerian, almost African like accent. And then you have Javier Bardem over here with this like Latin accent. I'm like, well, you got to have diversity, Alex, in any movie. Otherwise, people will get angry regardless of whether it makes any sense. They're just like, they're brown. Like these people that I live in the desert, they are the not whites. Are, yeah, yeah, I yeah. think, I think we've long just decided to abandon accents in movies. Oh God, yeah. Think, oh yeah, pretty much. I think in movies in general, people are just like, yeah, I just mean, imagine they all have the same accent. There'll be a Cockney Fremen, I'm sure, which would be hilarious. Oh my lord, you just have Vinnie <laughs> yeah, Jones seriously. in there. <laughs> oh my God, you got any of that spice? <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> Oh, all right. Fucking let's oh get out of here. This is going off the rails. <laughs> but yeah, it was that great. That was Dune. We all like Dune. We all, all enjoyed good. it. It's a good movie. Good half a movie, even though it's pretty long. Don't watch it if you're old. 
Uh, watch it if you're old. Don't be elderly shamed by this this Italian man. Don't don't allow him to to bring you down, folks out there. You all have value to me and Alex. Yes, not Jeff. Yes. All right, real weirdos signing off. We'll see y'all next time. Thanks, everyone. Now our podcast is done, and we have to run. We know it is sad, but we had so much fun. Don't be bereft, Jesse, Alex, and Jeff. We'll be back real soon. The Real Weirdos. We talk about movies for way too goddamn long. Boo, 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 boo.